Hello and welcome back to yet another edition of the Holtcast. It's been a long time. We've definitely missed speaking to you guys. And of course, it's Cole Petham here and I'm not alone. If I was alone, I'm sure no one would want to listen. I'm of course joined by my good friend, Danny Raza. Danny, how are you doing on this? Uh, I, I would say testing Sunday, but it's also been a very nice Sunday in other aspects too. <laughs> uh, I'd listen, Cole. I'd listen. Um, oh, but you. yeah, no, it's, 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 it's a weird feeling actually. Like I, yeah, disappointed with, with the defeat in the end, but uh, I'm just happy football's back. Uh, I really, really missed it. It's felt like Villa have been gone for so long. Oh, absolutely. It's like one of those things where uh, if we if we let you behind the curtain as a listener, uh, <laughs> of course we missed the uh, podcast that would have focused around what it would have been like. What? No, what, who was it? What was the game we missed? Lester? I can't even remember now. I'm, I'm slacking that. Bournemouth. Badly. It was Bournemouth. I Bournemouth. Don't we, I don't think we recorded after Bournemouth. That's what it was, exactly. And I was sick for like three or four days straight, barely got into bed, so that was scratched off. Uh, we made a plan to record again and then kind of realized, oh, wait, it's in an international break. So, yeah, that didn't really work. But anyways, we're back. We're recharged. We're ready to go and talk all things Villa. And, of course, it, unless you've been under a rock, there was uh, quite the uh, result today. Spurs fans are probably very happy, but probably 99.9% of Villa fans are either furious, gutted, or some other form of emotion. Villa 2 Tottenham Hotspur 3, a last-minute winner by Huming Sun, leaves the Spurs fans with a very happy trip home and the Villa faithful at home with absolutely nothing. Danny, before we kind of get into everything, how do you feel po- – how did you feel, I should say, post-match? Because I think a lot of people had mixed emotions. I saw people on Twitter very angry, some just sad, some very frustrated, some accepting it and some still positive. So between all those ranges of emotions, how did you feel? Well, the thing is, I, I enjoyed the game at a uh, Manchester Shisha bar, chilling Ooh. out, eating some shawarma, drinking some coffee, right? So I think I was pretty chilled out. <laughs> uh, uh, so I think when, when Villa did get beat in the end, I was sat opposite my Spurs supporting friend, and I just kind of thought, do you know what, fair enough. Uh, I thought I thought for the last 10 minutes or so, Spurs had a lot of the ball. Um, I just thought in general Villa had a pretty decent game. And usually the disappointment after a Villa defeat is when they played really badly and, you know, somehow tried to hang on to, um, hang on to you know, a, a goal ahead or whatever. But I think today it was just kind of a feeling of acceptance where, yeah, Villa played well. Probably should have, you know, kept the kept the lead in the end. But look, um, Spurs Spurs did well as well. I mean, you know, they uh, came to Villa Park. They they held on. They it was a Mourinho grind out, and uh, it is what it is. Young Min Son is is one of those top class players who, um, you know, once once he's ahead of your defense, there's there's no stopping him. Uh, I guess the question on a lot of Villa fans' lips is, why was he allowed to get ahead of the defense in the end? Yeah, well, <laughs> well, uh, I don't want to think about that right now. We'll get to that a you, little dude? bit. Like, how, how are you feeling about it? Uh, I, I just, I just didn't, I just didn't feel that hurt in the end. Yeah, I, I think the thing with me is uh, in the moment, um, and I was telling you that before this, I have a few other friends in the UK. Uh, their obviously their stream or whatever was like ten seconds ahead. So when I saw, oh no, and I'm seeing Pepperina kick it, I'm thinking. 
okay, did we just cut a break and we're going in for the kill here or is it happening to us? Um, and of course, what we'll talk about later with uh, Bjorn Angles was a kind of a head and hands moment. But I don't know, you kind of have to take the good with the bad in this scenario, because if I'm going to do a stat attack here, we had 55% possession. I can't remember the last time we actually had the better opportunities within possession actually carried possession you look at the shots we had 18 to their 23 uh shots on target four to their 10 uh, we had 12 corners and we actually scored from a corner today so i think that's a positive in its own um it, it's really deceiving because if we're breaking into the first half especially it was very topsy-turvy back and forth within the first few minutes and then within the ninth minute you have an El Ghazi cross that turns into a Toby Alderweireld own goal uh, great move by Samad to put that pressure on him and evidently a absolute uh, error by Alderweireld leads to a 1-0 Villa uh, lead so early on that we're not used to it's a very quick start and with that being said Danny kind of turning the page onto this goal mm -hmm. uh, what were your thoughts at that point because it's not natural for Villa really this season to have a lead this early in the game albeit a fluke no I mean th this, this wasn't a fluke though I uh, like I think I think Villa genuinely came out there looking the better team to start with. So, I mean, we can we can have that conversation about the first half, but uh, you know, a little later. But like that, I thought I thought Villa for you know the first time this season. I mean, that I can remember came out and said, "No, hang on a second, we're we're going to be the dom dominant team here." Spurs actually looked you know penned back. I think Villa looking like they were going forward a lot, and this is what I like to see from Villa. That's the kind of intent we should have because that's. The only way to beat these teams, really. Uh, and I think El Ghazi found himself in space quite often on that right-hand side. He, he was delivering a lot of balls, to be fair to him. Um, I know he's going up against uh, Ben Davis, who Mourinho seems to be a massive fan of. Uh, seems to have come back from injury uh, recently. Um, but yeah, he was finding a lot of space on the right-hand side to, to put balls in. And it was it was perfectly whipped in. I think Alderweireld basically was struggling to get to that. Samata's right next to him if if Alderweireld you know, comes in there half a second later, uh, Samata's getting a touch to that on his head. Um, and Alderweireld's basically, you know, come in last, last ditch, basically last second, tried to tap that ball away, but uh, unfortunately he goes into the net. But I, I do feel as a centre-back, you've, you've got to try and make that challenge. You've got to try and, and, and get to that ball. Uh, it's just uh, unfortunate for him, really. It was, it was always going to be difficult. I think the thing that we've been missing all season, and especially with uh, Ali Samata coming in, is just that pure pressure up front. I'm not saying uh, Wesley doesn't do a good enough job, but the presence he brings on his own and the way the team evidently played today, it was just one of those examples where if you put enough pressure, there's going to evidently create some cracks and we did create some cracks in the defense and that's a perfect example Danny I would say um, so good to bring all that up I, you brought up some very very valid points but when I do look at Samada there's just a world's difference and I, I think when you look at him and Wesley in particular you look at mm. obviously a young Wesley who's still developing and learning his craft versus someone who's a little bit more polished and you can tell with the hold-up play, uh, just his confidence on the ball, and really the his freedom to express himself. And I think that was the key for Villa today, because even beyond that, I would have to say this was the most fluid game we've had all season. 
Uh, we've had some, obviously, a big win against Norwich way earlier in the season. We've had some uh, other great performances, but fluidity-wise, passing-wise, uh, the freedom to express themselves on the pitch, I thought, Danny, this was our best game in terms of all those things. Yeah, it was one of them. I think I think Leicester quite recently was was another one of them where where Villa played played a lot like they did today. Uh, but like, yeah, I think I think Samata, I think movement's the key with him. You know, we've, we've got a focal point there. It, it, it is a, it is one of those now where you've got somebody through the centre who's who's able to come and help the wings out. And I think um, uh, conveniently then for, for Jack Grealish and El Ghazi, they don't have to focus on cutting inside all the time. They can they can own their uh, their side of the pitch and. Uh, obviously, they've got the help there with Target and Gilbert. Um, Louise was making some nice passes today. There was one particular point, I think, in the first half where he managed to just slice through the Spurs defence and find Jack Grealish. I can't remember what exactly happened in the end, whether Villa won a corner or whether a ball was whipped in um, in the end. But yeah, there was a really nice narrow pass from Louise through to Grealish um, at one point in that first half. And that, that, that was good. I think there was a lot of that fluidity, as you say. And this is this is the thing with Villa. If they want to play, if they try to play, you know, they're, they're a dangerous side. We can we can really put teams under pressure. And a lot of the times with Villa, you don't seem to see that side of them until they're panicking and they're one nil down. That's what that's what's happened a lot this season. It's like, oh, hang on a second, boys. Maybe we shouldn't be <laughs> losing this game. Maybe we do need to go and you know grab these three points. Maybe we do need to grab it from the by the scruff of its neck. That's happened a lot this season. But this was one of the first few occasions where Villa went out and said, no, let's get that first goal um, because really, you know, against Jose Mourinho, against any Jose Mourinho side, you don't want to let them score first. Uh, it's a pity Samata didn't get a goal today, but if Alderweireld hadn't stuck his leg in, he would have done. And he does definitely offer a different side to um, different side for Villa than, than than Wesley does, and a threat in the box with a heading, as you said. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I, I think it's fair enough that we move on and get to, I guess, r- really Toby Alderweireld's redemption because at the 27th minute, uh, uh, the ball comes into the box and he's evidently able to completely do a 180 with his body and roof it right over a uh, surprisingly struggling Pepe Reina. I thought it was kind of an odd goal, to be honest. Came at him so fast, he wasn't expecting it. And you're thinking at this point, it's one all. And uh, do you think that goal was deserved, Danny? Because it was at a point in the match where there was a lot of back and forth. Spurs finally started to wake up a little bit. And if anything, with this within this first half, it was uh, one extreme to another, really. Well, it was a messy game. It was a messy game. Both sides, you know, back and forth, as you say, James. Uh, not James, sorry, Cole. Uh, ghost of the of Holt Cast Pass there. Um, I think yeah, it was a lot of back and forth. I think Spurs always going to be dangerous from set pieces, I guess. Um, you know, they've got big guys like Elder Wildeld in there. Diaz is always going to be um, going to be a danger from there. But yeah, Villa conceding that corner. And I, I don't think Pepe Reina was bad by, by any means. I think that is one of those goals where you have to say, you know, hold your hand. You basically hold your hands up and say, you know, it's a good finish. Yeah. It's, it's a, that's what, that's what happens with corners. You know, you hope for a lucky bounce. You hope that, you know, somebody can get, get onto that. And Alderweireld, he smashed it into the back of the net. And I think just fair play to him there. It was, it was a really good goal. I do remember just thinking, yeah, this is a good finish here. Um, and there's nothing you can really say about it. I don't think, I don't think it was a massive defensive error either. No, it's just one of those that everyone's battling for the ball so hard. Uh, and it's unlucky as well, because I, I think if if Rana had like an extra second to adjust, you're realistically is probably pushing that over the goal and it's still one nil. But again, that's a thing of inches. We'll, we'll get towards the very end because in the uh, extra time within the first half, 
Hyunmin Son capitalizes on a penalty that some people believe wasn't a penalty, others believe it was, and Bjorn Angle sliding in like that, and I think it was on Steven Bergvine, if I'm correct. It's a questionable one, questionable one because if you look back at the passage of play, he's sliding in. Uh, from the first instance, it looked like it was clean. There was nothing wrong with it. And then, of course, you look probably back at a third, a fourth, even replay after that. And he was winding up for the shot. The shot rebounds off angles and goes out. And basically, he got the man without the ball. Danny, how do you feel about that? Did you believe it was a penalty? Because I, I think a lot of fans are pretty 50-50 on that. Personally, for myself, it was a penalty, but it's one of those things that it's so close. It's one of the finest of margins. Look, I think I respect any fan's opinion if they don't believe that was a penalty. And I, and I say that because, I mean, there, there was a margin there because uh, when Engels goes in, he's, he's going for the ball. And I think you, there's an argument to be made there that, that Burkine is you know unnaturally kind of shifting to that side to you know he's, he's going in the opposite direction to the ball at that point um angles you know he's, he's he's nearly got it he's nearly got it but if i'm being totally honest that's a penalty every day of the week now i understand the hatred of var i understand why people do not like it i understand why people think it should be reinvented but look that the penalty that, that Spurs got, the Bjorn Engels foul, that was a classic example of why VAR is needed. Because that, for me, is a penalty any day of the week. Engels gets the man first. He gets Berghain mm-hmm. first. Yep. You know, he's clattering him. He's clattering him. There's, there's, there's nothing to be said about it. Um, I think if... I think if Engels doesn't go in then... If if Engels doesn't go in for the tackle, I mean it's not a, it's it's not a yellow card, it's not a red card. But if Engels doesn't go in for the tackle, then then Berkine scores anyway. Um, but yeah, it's a pe- it's a penalty every day of the week, and and that's why you have VAR because the reality is if that's Ali Samato, if that's Jack Grealish, Villa fans will be raging if that is not a penalty. So I think just to just to everybody on 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 Twitter who is having a go um, at, at at this decision, look you've got to just accept it sometimes sometimes the referee has got it right sometimes it is a penalty against Villa and that was one of those examples sorry mate I just I saw so much I just (laughs) I just saw so much raging today man that's just not it's just not something to rage about no I think a lot of people uh if we kind of break away from the game for a second are just very concerned because I think a lot of people look at the missed opportunities because I think you look at even the Tottenham game at the start of the year um, albeit suggesting back to the life in the Premier League. You look at the Arsenal game, you look at the Liverpool game. I, a lot of teams around us have beaten at least one big side, taken a scalp, um, as you could say. And we're really one of the only ones, if not the only one that hasn't. Um, albeit, I, I guess you could say we got it. Yeah, I think, well, we got a, what, a point against United and maybe was it Chelsea as well, if I'm thinking correctly. Um, so there's positives there, but... Albeit, you need three points against, at least against one of these sides. I mean, hell, even Norwich beat Manchester City on an off day, and they still capitalized. And it feels like at some points that even on an off day, we can't beat these teams. Because I thought Spurs played all right, but I also didn't think they played that well. I thought they were actually pretty poor from 
like for how long it took a side like Spurs who were within the top six to really wake up, that's way too long. Like that's something that a team struggling for relegation you think might be considered within that realm. But if we kind of uh, also break within the, I guess, first half here and talk about a, a big talking point, in my opinion, within that, um, and I guess I kind of skipped ahead of it at the start, but Danny Drinkwater, Uh <laughs> It's an interesting topic because I think a lot of people are asking why he started over uh, Nakamba. I was pretty annoyed. Yeah, it just doesn't doesn't make sense to me because, and I tweeted this out as well. If you look at, well, there's a few things and I'll let you get your opinion then come back to me. But my first thought on that was, okay, yeah, you're getting some game time. Maybe he's thinking, I'll play two uh, natural ball players here that can kind of stretch the midfield out, create more opportunity. And to be fair, that did. But he just every time he got the ball, he was just an extra second or extra few seconds too slow, very nervous, very slow. And it's obvious that he hasn't had enough game time. But Danny, what were your thoughts on it? Because it just it just boggled my mind. Like, I, I understand it, but at the same time, I don't. I think, I think the issue, I think the, the the only reason why this is a little bit hard to argue against is because he didn't have an awful game, and I thought the because Villa was so forward thinking, I think the 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 idea behind it was get drink water in there, we'll get you know we'll get the passing moving, we'll we'll get we'll get the game working. So I think that's that's probably what Dean Smith had um, had in mind. He's probably thinking if you get Nakamba and Douglas Louise in there, you haven't really got the ability then to to push that midfield forward. But then I think the argument can be made that Howrahan isn't getting a fair look in um, at this point. Maybe he should be, you know, getting the game time ahead of Danny Drinkwater. Um, but I don't think he should have started. He's shown nothing so far really to prove that he should be in that starting lineup, or nothing to show that he should be ahead of. Say Connor Howrahan. I think defensively he's he's a liability, massive liability. I have you know I, I don't think I have any sort of recollection of Danny Drinkwater making a tackle or, or an interception so far. No, he just I mean, pulls he probably people has. back. Yeah, it's like a yeah. hope and a prayer. Yeah, this is it. And when he is in the box, he feels he just feels so soft. I mean, take for example, take for example what you know the, the first goal, you know that that Alderweireld scores. Yeah, as, as I say, it was you know there's not a lot you can do about it. But Danny Drinkwater doesn't exactly throw himself at the ball. No. And it's because he's not quite there. He's, you know, he's not, I don't think he's, he's quite fit enough. I don't think he's quite used to the, to the pace of it. But it's one of those ones where Dean Smith has taken a liking to him. And that's that. I think that's, that's the way it is. Maybe he's showing something in training. I don't know. But he gets taken off in the 60th minute anyway um, for a defensive change with, with Nakamba coming in. You know, I'd argue that, you know, it should be the other way around. You know, Nakamba coming off eventually for Danny Drinkwater to bring that extra shot of energy. Um, he's not the player you want in that side if you want to control the game. But I, see, I do see what Dean Smith was trying to do. Oh, 100%. I, I think the thing, and I was thinking about this uh, when the commentator brought it up, saying how slow he looks and how off the pace he is. And of course, I think, what was it, when he was at Burnley on loan, I think he played like a half of football or something collectively. It was something very minimal. But... I think the thing with Dean Smith is, and I'm starting to wonder, I don't know his contract status with Chelsea, but I'm almost wondering if this is him playing for another club in terms of a future contract. And I wonder if Dean Smith himself thinks, hey, you know what? He didn't get the run at Burnley. Obviously, things at Chelsea didn't go his way. 
I wonder if Dean Smith is sitting there thinking, you know what, maybe I believe, or maybe not, no, maybe about it, I do believe I can get the best out of him. And with that being said, I can get him back to that form that he was with Leicester. And I'm wondering if he has that confidence to think that, and maybe that's what he's thinking in terms of long-term longevity, long-term longevity. You know what I mean? Whatever, whatever that yeah, makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I, I'm wondering because he's looking at him as a future option, basically. I'm th- that's the way I'm starting to look at someone like him because you'd have to admit if we do stay up, Lansbury's probably not going to be around for much longer. Uh, there's probably other midfielders around that pecking order that even with Hurahan, we don't know how long he's going to want to sit on the bench it's one of yeah, those exactly. things where I wonder if he's looking at drink water as someone who can come in, um, who probably won't be that expensive because realistically, let's be honest, Chelsea are going to take a massive hit. The guy just hasn't played. Like, what can you expect to honestly get an honest valuation of anywhere near what they paid? Um, I think that's the way I look at it. Um, and I don't know if Dean Smith looks at it that way, but I, that's just how I see it. I think the key thing's fitness, though, isn't it? It's just like you, you, you want fit players on the pitch, especially when, when you're looking at how much of a grind the these villas these villa players are having to put in, right? Yeah. But I again, I just I don't I don't think Drinkwater had that bad a game. I I it wasn't he wasn't great, and like I think it's a bit of an Ashley Westwood situation for me, man. He's doing the simple things okay, but other than that, like, is he gonna is he gonna save the day for Villa? Is he gonna you know, block a last-minute uh, effort from the opposition. Is he gonna, you know, drive the team forward for a goal? I don't know. Uh, I'd rather yeah. Nakamba in that side. That's the only thing. I, 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 I guess. I guess. Sorry to cut you off. The, I guess no, the other right. thing, though, I'm thinking now that we're talking about this too. I wonder if the agreement with Chelsea was a certain amount of game time because he got a lack of game time with Burnley. I yeah, wonder maybe. if it's that too because you have to look at it from Chelsea's perspective too. They want to protect their asset. So they're probably thinking, you know what, we're probably going to try to shift this guy on within the near future, but we need to guarantee him game time wherever he goes, because obviously Burnley was just an absolute joke like that. Didn't give him any opportunity. And obviously that's up to the player as well. Maybe he just didn't show it in training or whatever. Um, I don't know if he was injured as well, but I think it comes to that too. Like there's probably so many different aspects, but no, hundred percent. Like why, when you start Nakamba with Louise, I feel like they work so much better together. You have, of course, as soon as we get into the second half, now we'll get back into the game. You see that switch later on and there's just a completely different set of pace again. It's almost like we're taking control. Like we were in the first half again for a little period of time. It just seemed like a there's more reliability and more cover for those center backs. When you have someone like Nakamba, he's kind of like a Conte junior. He's not going to be as clean, tidy and as great um, as of yet, but he does the small things right. And he's able to intercept those things. And also you have to look at it with Douglas Louise. He just gives him so much more space and allows him to roll around like an absolute freaking Don, because uh, I just love the confidence of Douglas Louise on the ball. It's, it's great to see. Um, but let, Danny, let's get into the fourth goal of the game here. Um, Cause Bjorn angles definitely redeemed himself. The corner comes in from a Jack Grealish cross. And of course, big Bjorn angles gets our second goal of the game. Our first actually from a Villa player touching it into the goal, um, a redemption story here that kind of, turns on its head later but with this goal going in i think it's our second headed goal of the season 
How did you feel at this point? What did you think of the goal? Let me in on those thoughts, sir. Uh, second headed goal of the season, second in two games. That's the other thing, I think. Ooh, attack. Bournemouth, didn't he? True. Um, yeah, it was, it, was, it, was, it was brilliant. It's everything we've lacked from corners. Uh, because Bjorn Engels actually, yeah, I think he, see, he sees that ball midair. And he's made the run. He's, you know, he's, 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 he knows exactly where the ball's going and he leaps and gets over the ball. And that's how you header the ball, man. So many times I've seen players just try and, you know, get it on the top of their head. It's never going in that way. Never going in that way. But if you can leap and head it downwards, then there's always a chance. That, that is what you want to do because at the very least it gets a bobble, right? At the very yeah. least, it gets to the ground and somebody can nick it in. Um, but yeah, commanding from Engels. Um, I, I think just on him today, because I know we're gonna we're, we're gonna move on to him very soon anyway. Yeah. He had a massive boots to fill. Yeah. Mings gets injured. You know, you talk about Danny Drinkwater coming in as well. Mings gets injured. Smith takes out the the most important defensive midfielder. Yeah. Uh, ahead of the defense, and all of a sudden, you know, he's having to do this huge job as the sweeper where naturally Villa have needed a lot of pace from Mings in that position. Uh, they've needed him to be good on the ball, ETC, ETC. And then you've also got two inexperienced defenders either side of them. Konza and Hawes, good players in their own right, but inexperienced. So um, for Engels to come back and, and get that header, I was really happy for him because even that uh, penalty that he gave away, it was not indicative of his performance. Oh, 100%. 100%. Very calm, assured performance overall. Uh, we'll get on to the... Uh, I don't know I don't know if I want to say calmed and assured. It was... I, I thought most of it was, to be honest. Uh, like, he likes to slide in. We know that. But, like, if you take away, realistically, the, the penalty and you take away the blip at the end, honestly, I couldn't see too much else wrong with the performance. Like, that's what I mean. Like, we, I we that... could... He's going to be that player that everyone's going to look at as who to blame, obviously. But besides those kind of just blurps in time, I thought he had a pretty decent performance. Yeah, no, he did. And, you know, it was good for him to get that goal. I think it was, uh, I think it's nice to see some of our centre-backs contributing up there now. I think, or was it Konza that scored up there recently as well? Um, nice to yep. see. But, yeah. <laughs> I think um, the I, funny thing, Danny, though, sorry to cut you off, too, because I sorry. wanted to get to something. Uh, Courtney Haas, I want to know a stat on him on how many times a corner has come to him. He's headed it, but he's like the way he jumps, he like does a full 360 and how many times he's actually connected with the ball, but he's facing the other way. Because yeah, that happened yeah, at least, yeah. I think, twice today. And I swear to God, that happens at least once a game. I don't know what it is with the guy, but I just noticed that so many times. <laughs> He does do that actually quite a lot, yeah. He doesn't look in total control, does he? No, just kind of looks like hopefully I'm going to... I mean, you, you never really know where the ball's going, right? I mean, you just hope you get ahead to it. Hopefully it's going to go in and you're just going to uh, kind of capitalize on that opportunity. But I don't know. With him, it's like a hope and a prayer. And if it hits his head and goes somewhere, it's kind of hoping for the best. <laughs> yeah, true, true, true. I, I, I do like him, though. I do like oh, him. Yeah. He's, he's, had, he's had a massive, again, massive boots to fill. I mean, what, how much did we sign him for? Like, what, like $2 million or something like it was, that? It was yeah, minimal. Something silly like that, yeah. Something the, silly like that, yeah. The fact that we were able to grab him away from Wolves and throw him in and start at Premier League games, and to be honest, no matter what happens, you have to look at the likes of Konza, Hawes, especially within 
um, the center back grouping, even going into next season, whatever happens, stay up or go down. Those are key players no matter what. And I look at that and I'm thinking from a, a club perspective, I don't remember the last time and Villa had been battling relegation for years last time we were in the Premier League. I've never felt so assured because in the past you look at, say, like Ron Vlar, Sender Ross, these aren't players that are going to stay with you that are going down, but or if you're going down, but even in a hypothetical sense now, Danny, I think we have players that kind of benefit us, whatever outcome. Yeah, no, I think that's true. Um, I think you've got players there who, yeah, could hang around. I mean, they're definitely playing for the team. You know, they they, they definitely do care. I think that's the main thing. Hawes and Konza know that they have to perform well if they're going to, you know, stick around in the Premier League. Mings, you can definitely tell, has a massive vested interest in playing well for Villa. Um, although there have been times he's fallen asleep. And then Bjorn Engels as well. You know, again, he's a foreign player who's come to the league who, who knows that he needs to do well in the Premier League. Um, I, I do like our defence. It's just that they do fall asleep a little bit too often. And I, and I get why people are so upset with the team. Um, it's just, that is the one thing, isn't it? That is the one thing separating Villa from a true Premier League defence. It is that ability to stay focused and stay awake all game. But... You know, you look at the Spurs defense as well today and they didn't exactly do that. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Not at all. <laughs> so it's just it happens. This is this is Premier League football. Um, yeah, I think they've, they've started to look better recently. Shall we get on to, to the epitome of today? Should we get on to that moment? <laughs> yeah, let's do it, man. OK, well, I'm sure unless you're like I said before, you're living under a rock. This this moment wasn't that great. If I'm going to play it back for you guys, Pepperina hoofs it forward, hoping for the best, hoping for some kind of last minute hope and prayer, like like the Watford result, and it comes back to bite us. Um, not exactly sure who kicked it forward or backwards, I should say, at Bjorn Angles, but um, instead of simply clearing it, he clearly mishandles it. it looks like he was trying to take a touch, then clear it, um, instead of just absolutely putting his foot through it. Misses it completely, and that leaves someone like Huming Sun with an absolute gift and loads of space. And someone like that, where I, I honestly, I wish we had players like that, where you have a Harry Kane, he gets injured, and someone like Son can come in and play striker. There's nothing really Rennick can do, just beaten to the right hand side of the post. 3 2, there's what 40, 30 seconds left in the game. And really, the stories are written there. And I think overall, and I think this is why a lot of people are angry, numb, whatever, Danny, it was just something I think a lot of people were really grasping onto that point as maybe something that's a, a turning point. Do you know what, though? Like this. it Yeah, it could have been a, it could have been a massive turning point. But again, it's just a point. I know I know you talk about all of these points being being key. But this isn't going to be the game that relegates us. I know you say this a lot. I think Villa do need to, you know, sort this out. But then I think what happened today just happened so fast as well, where I don't know if it was anybody's fault in particular. And you know what? Like, okay, no, Engels, Engels should have controlled that better. He, he should have done. Okay, let, let me yeah. let me backtrack on that just a little bit. You should have controlled just put your that foot better. through it. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But that that ball is coming at such a pace. I know it's coming at such a pace and at such an awkward bobble as well that it is really hard to trap that. Um, he should be doing a lot better. I mean, it's a big, it's a massive ball through. Um, but Hyungman Son already seems to know where it's going, and that's you know that's just crazy, by the yeah. way. 
It's you, killer, you like instinct. See that from an attack. Yeah, exactly. You rarely see that from an attacker. Hyungmin Son has already anticipated Engels is going to cock up here and I'm going to run through here and I'm going to get that ball. And that, by the way, is amazing. That, um, in stark contrast to Deli Ali, who had an awful game. Maybe we can touch on him in a sec. But I'd also make the argument here that Bjor- that Borja Bastin's at as much fault here as, um, as Bjorn Engels, by the way. You think so? Why is that? So... This results from a goal kick yep. from Pepe Reina. Pepe Reina has perfectly launched this ball to the head of Douglas Luiz. Yeah. Usually you see that, you think, right, Douglas Luiz is getting the ball here. Um, it will bobble on. Whoever's up front, come back and collect that. You know, get that out of the right-hand side. You know, let let let, 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 the, let the ball do its work. But Borja Baston has basically come in and pushed Douglas Luiz in the back leaving Villa basically up there with nobody. Davinson Sanchez can boot that ball, but that ball forward, you know, at that awkward pace um, for Engels to get to. I'm, I'm not saying that uh, Engels isn't at fault for this, by the way, but it's just one of those things where it's like, you've got an inexperienced player who's just been brought on, um, you know, for, for Ali Samata, who mm-hmm. makes absolutely no sense, by the way, in the, in the context of the game. This is a this is a Dean this is another bad substitution from Dean Smith. He's off the pace. Um, you know, it's not it's not the kind of game where you allow somebody to come on and 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 find their pace. But he's pushed Douglas Luiz in the back, lost control of the ball. Um, you've got three players, you know, just in the middle of the pitch doing nothing at this point. And yeah, you know, this is another one of those bad luck situations. You know, it comes back so quickly. Engels isn't expecting it. Um, and yeah, he's cocked up a little bit there. But, wow, it's great analysis because you know, I didn't even know half of that happened. So <laughs> no, no, just like just watch that, watch that goal back. And you know, I have to shout out to my friend Davian Clark who pointed this out to to me in a group chat. Um, by the way, um, he basically screenshotted all this, and yeah, I'm, I've watched it back, mate. It's 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 not good. It's not good from Borja Bastin at all. I, I don't I don't understand why he was brought on in the in the context of the game and already this just doesn't sit well with me. I can understand why he was brought on. Like why, I, I why? Can, why? What, the, the, what, what, what purpose does he serve? Like knowing well, his attributes. Well, okay, the thing that well, before I say that, I would have put Vasilev on the bench because I would have thought either way you're gonna be chasing the game win or lose he's someone with a bit of pace and he's someone that's gonna pressure the defense and kind of stretch them out a little bit that was the first thing i was gonna say the second thing i can see why he brought him on at that point samata was a little tired i can understand that you're looking at someone with a little bit of a bigger build you're looking at someone that probably is thinking, okay, he's going to hold up the ball. Maybe either it's going to waste more time, we're going to get the point, or it's going to somehow benefit us, and that hold-up play is going to lead to maybe like one last opportunity. The alternative alternative to that is that you can clearly see he hasn't had enough game time and he's off the pace. That's the other thing. And that's the issue where I'm thinking, okay, I understand why you brought him on, but at the same time, if he hasn't had enough game time is this the game to bring him on and I think that's my biggest kind of issue with Smith right now is you look at Danny Drinkwater you look at Borja Baston 
and to oh, to be honest, overall, the January window and our signings have been relatively positive. Like, look how well Pepper Anna's done. He kept us in this game. Honestly, it could have been probably like five or six goals with some of the saves he made today. Um, I, in particular, one in the box where I think Cause tried to clear it. And he just cleared it right to him and Son right in the middle of the box. Um, but getting back to our striker situation here and what we're going on about for the last goal, it, it just kind of... I don't know. It just feels like he puts so much confidence in these players to show, I believe in you. This is a big moment, no matter how little or how much game time overall you've gotten. I believe in you. And I can understand from the confidence standpoint of what he's trying to instill, but I feel like you have to pick and choose your moments in, in moments like this, it just isn't the right time to play someone like that. Yeah, exactly. Now that, you know, Vasilev came on, made his debut like recently kind of thing. And, you know, he he came on and it was because Villa didn't have a striker. They didn't have anybody out and out who was, you know, comfortable in that position anyway. So you're not doing any harm, um, you know, getting him on. But, you know, effectively bringing on Borja Baston and long balling, long balling it to him. Um, and him, him. Like, what what upset me was the fact that he thought that it was the right choice for him to run all the way back there and you know contest that ball ahead of of Douglas Luiz. Like, what are you doing, mate? First of all, um, his positioning isn't going to be on the same level as as Ali Samata. He was holding the line well. It meant that if Villa did have the ball and got the ball forward a little bit, he might have been able to keep the keep the game ticking. Now, as you say, he might not have been fit. But why not bring on Vasilev at this point? Exactly. He presses. Uh, he's 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 gonna he's gonna you know make the game uncomfortable for the opposition. What you've got in Baston is an unconfident striker who is there basically, you know, as as, as a guy that you might want to long ball it to, or you might want to you know get it get a touch, um, get get a head uh, head to it like you know late on in the game kind of thing. Um, if you're maybe a goal down kind of thing, and I I, I get that. But he doesn't have the same energy. He doesn't have the same movement. And it, effectively, what you're trying to do then is play Mourinho at his, uh, his own game. Yeah. He, you're not going to be able to hoof the ball up against his sides and, and, and hope it's going to work out. Here's the golden question here, Danny, though. And I think this goes on to uh, when we face Southampton next weekend as well. Um, preview for that will be out later in the week. So, of course, look out for that. But... What do we do with angles from here? Because you have to think that Mings will recover from tonsillitis by next weekend. You'd expect him him to be back. What does this do for Angle's confidence? Do we put him out of the side? What effects does that have? Do we keep him in? What kind of effects essentially will that have on the side? Like, what do we do with him at this point? Because it's that's a difficult situation because he knows as much as anyone we're in a relegation scrap every point's important and he, of course you saw it when he was leaving the pitch at the end i think he like punched the little um kind of front gate or whatever that they come out the tunnel uh within the tunnel so like you can see that frustration i that's my issue like i, I know they're professionals they deal with things and maybe this doesn't even bother them as much as we think it does but from your standpoint dan what do we do from here um no i just I, I think he had a good game fair play to him it might it might make me more confident for villa to kind of go four four two again or i mean play four at the back again I, if, if i think angles had a decent game apart from what happened then if you put him in, the, in there with mings it might work um but having said that i love the three at the back system that we've got at the moment 
Look, Mings is the main guy. Mings, Mings is your first choice at centre-back. So I, I don't think you can drop um, Mings for, for Engels. I think you, you carry on with whoever you think the right option is. The, the fact of the matter is Mings is more natural there. He's more natural as a sweeper. He's, he's, he's got better ball, ball control. Engels, is, his ball control is, is, is not great and it never has been. Never has been. Uh, you, you you maybe want to see that improve a little bit, but if he's if he's the guy that's got to try and trap balls like that, and if he's the guy that's that's got to keep the keep the defense ticking, then I don't know, man. I just I just don't think that I don't think it's that hard a choice. I think I think you bring Mings back in there. You you might if you if you look at Hawes, if you look at Konza, and if you look at the game again and think either one of them has had a bad game, then maybe you can bring Engels in for one of them. But it's yeah, I don't think it's that difficult a decision for me, and it's not because Engels, it's not because the way that Engels played, it's just that I'm more comfortable with Mings in that position. Yeah, because I, I think the thing here as well is I you, I don't think you put if you say if you play Angles and Mings in a back three, I don't think you shift Angles out. You would shift Mings out. But in my opinion, Mings does best in the middle because that's where he's able to have his greatest influence, the greatest impression, and evidently control his back line because that is his back line. It, it is tough and it's unfortunate, but I think with the way we're playing right now, it it just it doesn't fit him. Um, and, and I think the other interesting stat here, Danny, if you look at Villa within the last 10 Premier League matches against London sides, we have one draw and nine losses with our last win being a one nil win over Crystal Palace in January of 16. Um, <laughs> apparently our trips to London are not very well taken. I don't want to say, I don't, I don't really even want to discuss that whole London things. I think it's just a stat that people pick out, but that is a stack that you look at it and that's something we have to turn around because we have to go away a few more times, I believe to London. And in that reality, we need to start picking up points there as well. But home points are just as much uh, crucial as away points are really. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. I think, I think we, we've got to be better. We've got to be better at picking up, picking up points away. We really do. Um, I, I think I, 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 ju- I just think, you know, at the end of the game, we lose 3-2, fair enough. It was a bit of an error at the end. But it wasn't... I don't think it was as as bad an error as people are making it out to be. Yeah. Uh, if, if I'm being honest. I think Spurs are better at that sort of like last minute grind out kind of thing. I mean, you've got to remember, this is a team that beat Man City, you know, I think their last game. Yeah, there were three uh, wins on the bounce, yeah. Yeah, this, this is an informed Tottenham side. And when you're informed, things just seem to fall for you. People are complaining about Villa conceding late on, but we just, I think even against, I mean, you look before Bourne, I thought, I think we've just come off like a couple of big wins in the last minute. It happens. It doesn't make, it doesn't make you a bad team. It doesn't mean that you're, that you're bottle jobs or anything like that. Just the, the way of the game sometimes. Yeah, maybe Villa shouldn't have committed so, so many players forward at that point. But it's tough. I think, yeah, it's tough. It's tough. It's Tottenham Hotspur. You know, this is a this is this is a tough team. This is a team, you know, under the control of Jose Mourinho. They were able to bring on a fifty, sixty million pound player off the bench. And I wish, I wish we could what, do that. <laughs> well, this is it. This is it. We 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 ended up having to bring on our backup striker, and I think 
if Keenan Davis had been fit, he would have been perfect to, to bring on and, and see out the game. Uh, but but he isn't. And we have to deal with the injury crisis that we've got. And we're at a bit of a disadvantage. But it's it's it's. I think we were having this conversation, Cole. Like, it's not... We're not far off, you know, at the bottom of the table there. Like, there there are other teams around us still. There are still teams, like, above us who are only, like, a couple of points above us kind of thing. Oh, yeah. From, I think I tweeted it out, from, like, basically um, 19th being Watford. Well, Norwich are 20th. I think they're on 18 points or something like that. Uh, Watford are 19th and 24. Um, so basically from 19 to 12th, and which I believe is Newcastle on 31, there's literally like a seven point gap, like a couple wins for any of those sides completely mixes that up. And you can look at the table even just above that. A couple of those teams will also get dragged in because they're performing very well right now. Um, so some of those other teams will get dragged into it. It, it literally comes down to at the end of the season, uh, the like who's the worst of the worst. I, and I overall kind of recapping this whole performance, if, if that's how we're going to play, then I have all the confidence in the world that we're going to stay up. But the key issue with that essentially is utilizing those performances and having those as often as possible, because it seems like you look at uh, really both Spurs games, you look at the Arsenal game, you look at the Liverpool game at home. It seems like we're turning up against some top, and sides here but the games essentially we need to be winning we're just we're not doing it sometimes i think that's the biggest frustration we're we're being teased with something that seems like oh we can do this every week and it's just not happening yeah i mean this is our quirk though isn't it this is yeah. this is the thing with villa this is our thing and uh unfortunately we've got to own it uh, where where that's not going to change overnight it just isn't going to change overnight i mean we 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 had a Listen, we had, we had about six months in the championship when we weren't doing this, and that's yeah. it. Like Villa, Villa for a long time now have, have have been a little bit brittle like that. I don't think we're the only team who's brittle, but like we've been a bit brittle like this for a very very long time, and oh, we're we're having to struggle in a league where you know teams were already prepared. We've had our best players injured for long parts of the season. You know, thank God Jack Grealish has been fit for most of it. And things haven't gone our way all the time. We've had we've had a case of that. But look, you know, there's a few games left until the end of the season. I still think that we should be able to grind this out. As you say, Cole, if we play like this, we'll be fine. Yeah. If we play like this, we'll be fine. I think I was impressed with the attack today. Oh, even Ghazi had a good game. Usually he's missing totally. But Samat has definitely brought something to this side. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I think we'll be okay. Hopefully, hopefully, so. hopefully. But... but they've got to play like that. Like this is this is what this is what you call trying to force a result. Because if we played like we usually did, if we if we sat back and tried to counter, then I just think that Spurs would have gone ahead and beaten us three 0 kind of thing. Yeah, I think the thing to look at too, Danny. Um, we'll get to the match balls next here, but uh, I think the thing to look at as well is. If that uh, was it, Douglas Louise had a shot or something like that that got cleared off the line. I think if that goes in, uh, you're looking at a 2-0 Villa lead at about a pretty early point in the first half, albeit it's a 2-0 lead. I think that completely turns the game, and that's me kind of kind of grasping at straws really per se because you don't really know, but you can't see us 
killing that lead completely. You'd have to think that we'd be capable enough at this point in the season to learn from those mistakes and kind of round it out. Uh, It's a game of inches. Things happen and things don't. But anyways, Danny, can I get your match ball, please? Uh, Yeah, okay. Um, I think it was always going to be Engels up until that last point. So I can't give it to him. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, it was going to be him. Uh, but I'm, I'm going <laughs> to nice go mention. with... Yeah. Yeah, so if, had the map, match ball been given over the course of 90 minutes, he would have been fine. But I think I'm going to give it to... Um, I think I'm going to give it to Jack Grealish. I, I still think that we played through him again today. Uh, he created a lot. Uh, he was always open on the left-hand side. And... Uh, yeah, he, I mean, I think he put in the he put in the ball for the for the Engels corner, didn't he? I think yeah. Al Ghazi comes a close second as well. To be honest, I think he also had a pretty decent game. Um, I could get could have given it to him, but the reality is with Villa at the moment is we're, we're playing through Jack Grealish, and unfortunately, he's the one who's getting the match ball every week. <laughs> well, I'm gonna completely change things up here because I'm going with the main man and goal, Pepe Rena, because I honestly can't really blame him for any of those goals of course and i forgot to mention he made the penalty save on Ming son and of course he son capitalized on the rebound uh poor um hostmanship of me not to mention that but he had a great performance he kept us in it so many times and i think the thing that we've really forgotten to talk about is his distribution today his confidence just to string one out between two spurs attacking players um right to i think it was uh target or maybe it was i can't remember if it was uh douglas louise just with the confidence there to just string that out right through them and continue play and kind of the fluency started from the back today with moving the ball and i think that was epitomized through his play um so i'm gonna have to give my match ball to him but anyways we'll talk about one more thing and then round out this edition of the whole cast because it's been uh something evidently that's been talked about a lot over the last week and that's the status of contracts and there's a number of mm. different contracts coming up uh you look at the likes of i think what hepburn murphy didn't he not move already if i'm correct to derby hepburn murphy has he moved to derby there was some was he at tranmere and then i think he moved i no, believe so he's on loan he's on loan at derby Oh, but I thought it was basically like more of a look in to see if like they would sign him because he is at the end of his contract. So, of course, Villa have the opportunity, but this is basically a move because he's playing for basically their academy at the moment. You look at him, you look at Callum O'Hara being the big one. Um, everyone wants to say he's Jack Grealish 2.0 already. Uh, you look at, I think, Sarkic as well. There's a few others there, but anyway. Danny, if we're looking at players with expiring contracts, I just named a few there and I'll look for a few more as we're discussing. Is there any you would keep or is there any off the top of your head that you think it's kind of past at this point? I think O'Hare I'd keep. I'd, I want to see I want to see him I mean at least loan him into the championship for a bit. I think O'Hare I really want him to, I really want us to keep because he has looked a real talent and I think I think Carlisle and commentary fans have, have, have both been vocal in saying he's been a he's been a really good player for him. Um I think Andre Green is what I mean is Andre Green running out of contract yes why did I forget that yeah now that's fair to note because he's basically playing striker right now for Charlton and actually yeah. he's lighting it up so he's, that's an interesting one he's looking good there isn't he? he's pretty much like reinvented his position but then like I think it's one of those ones where it's really difficult where 
like can you keep players on contract if they're not even you know performing in the lower leagues like Hepburn yeah. Murphy's had chances but he hasn't he doesn't he doesn't look like he's going to cut it I think he might be just a little bit too small I don't know what it is um I mean I think one of the things that really that really does suck at Villa to be honest and it has done for a few years is that we really haven't been giving younger players a run out I think it was good to see Andre Green get his chance at the end of last season but if we're being honest Cole he's not a Premier League player no I don't think he's a pro- I don't think he's a Premier League winger um maybe he's still developing there's been signs where he has done good things but I don't think he's quite as technically gifted as as as, as we'd probably want maybe maybe he's going to turn out to be a decent striker at Charlton I don't know but yeah, it's, it's Callum O'Hare who I just don't think we can afford to lose. Yeah, I, I think the thing overall, um, if you look at Andre Green, I think he's an, another one of those players that it's kind of depending on the status of Villa. Because if they stay up, you have to think that maybe they it's a quick sign and sell or just to let him go, really. Uh, it, it's tough there. You look at Callum O'Hare, who I believe is already 22. Um, so he's coming into that point where it's almost like a make or break thing. I could be wrong there, but I swear someone told me he was 22. He's, um, he's 21. He's 21. He'll be 22 at the end of the season. Oh, okay. So he's, he's coming into that and he's coming into that kind of make or break status of, are you going to stay or will you go? And I think, again, he's one of those players that if we go down, I would say, I wouldn't say inevitably, but if we do go down, you have to think he has to be in the plans. But if you stay up again, is he going to get that game time to develop? Because then you're loaning out a 22-year-old who's going to be 23, and you're getting to, think, it's tough. But I think I think why not though? Why not keep loaning them out? Like I think Chelsea do it, don't they? You know, yeah. There, there are teams who you know if they've got a talented player who they think may not be ready for the cup but, but could be kind of soon, you know, let them out. Let the, let their value go up. And then at the very least, you can ask a team to pay a little bit more for them at the well, end. If you're going to keep O'Hare, I would have to say next season has to be a loan to a championship club, and he has to be playing for that club. Yeah, I think I that would be the thing. And that would be the same thing for Green. We stay up, you and you say he's playing striker, and he's bagging some more goals, and he's kind of acclimatizing to that role. Then it's the same thing. He has to kind of move up to – I don't want to kind of be rude to Charlton, but then he kind of has to move up to the next level of a championship club. Uh, maybe someone – more fighting for promotion or you know what I mean something like that kind of taking those steps and then of course you look at someone in my opinion like Sarkic I'm not sure where we kind of leave him because of course we recall them but that was a keeping a goalkeeping error with or issue I should say with the injuries you think so because honestly like I know the Scottish Premier League is no equivalent to the English Premier League but seeing the Livingston fans absolutely loved him the amount of clean sheets he had I, I just feel like there's something there that we shouldn't give up on so easily yeah I haven't I haven't quite seen enough of him to to know that I mean he's he has he has always had like bright um yeah yeah I think he's, he's always he's always had glowing recommendations and that kind of thing but I think if he's going to be like 23 kind of thing and he, and he wants to be starting starting games it won't be a villa that's the thing. Uh, maybe he would be a good backup. Maybe he's the guy to come in once Pepe Reina's gone. But again, another one where I just don't think, you know, it's that bad an idea for us to keep a hold of him and loan him out. Yeah. I just, I just think, you know, again, with, I think with keepers, they're probably, you know, they're, you got to think of them as being a little bit younger than they are, I think, sometimes. 
Oh, absolutely. It, it, it's tough because, of course, like you look at the lifespan of a keeper, usually it's a lot longer. Um, so with that in mind, do you protect your asset and see what happens? Do you let him go and let someone else come I, through? It's tough. That's where Villa have struggled so much over the years, though. Like They've just like gotten rid of young players and just let them leave, and then they've gone ahead and done decent things like Jordan Graham, Daniel Johnson. You know, A lot of these players like turned out to be like really good championship players who were basically left let leave for nothing and yep. i think that's you know that's a real shame it's a real shame and villa need to stop doing that really well, do need to stop doing that because you you don't see other sides doing it i i think that's the thing that now that they're working through the academy and of course we've seen some uh, setup changes as well so hopefully they kind of get the better of that and move forward and avoid these errors because as, for as long as I've supported Villa, this has happened. And I, you look at our academy, like Jack Grealish is really the only standout for me that you can kind of rant rave about. Besides that, you do have like your Daniel Johnson's players like that, but it's it's just not the same. And but like, what about Gary Cahill? Like that that for me was the classic example. I know that was a long time ago. That was like a classic example for me. Yeah, for Villa. You know, developed a player and then went and just let him go for basically barely anything. Happened with Mark Brighton, albeit it was a little bit older. It's the um, Villa way. <laughs> it's the Villa way. It's the Villa way. Develop a player, let him go, for, let him go for nothing, and you wonder why the finances of the club were, you know, were in the gutter. Oh, uh, just, just, it's, it's one of those things. I think the way forward of Premier League football now, when you look at the the kind of fees that are being paid for players, the way yep. forward is to develop your own man, develop your own see them through let them let keenan davis can be a heck of a player and he's running out of contract at the end of the summer why on earth is that the case why on earth is that the case i didn't even realize he was one of them so there you go well this is it this is it and you know i think part of it is going to be down to injuries and that kind of thing but listen villa sort this out this cannot cannot be letting assets just leave like that and, and and not be getting anything for them um it's just it's just not on uh hopefully you know there is a couple more contracts awarded i think callum O'Hare, we need to keep a we need to keep a hold of him need to keep a hold of keenan davis can't be giving up on these boys just yet well there you go the main man danny raza says so so villa get your get your uh checkbooks out and let's make this happen but anyways we'll wrap this up here danny thank you very much for joining me as always, of course, you can find Danny at Raza Journal on Twitter. You can find me, Cole Pedham, at Talk Aston Villa on Twitter. And of course, you can find 7500 to hold on Twitter at 7500 to hold. Simple as that. And of course, all together, we make up the Hello. Holtcast. But, anyways, guys, we'll wrap it up there. Have a good one. We'll see you for the preview later in the week, probably around Thursday. And of course, up the villa. <laughs>